Well, we're in Luke chapter 4, and the temptation of Jesus Christ by the devil is our focus in this particular passage. The, uh, the background is, is helpful because this incident we're going to begin looking at this morning uh, is at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ, and it follows immediately after his baptism. The other gospel writers make that very clear. Uh, after his baptism, he comes up out of the water, and then immediately he is led of the Spirit into the wilderness. And uh, the baptism of Jesus. Now, there he is, the very start of his ministry. Uh, he sees, remember, the heavens rent open, and uh, the Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove, and uh, he hears that voice coming from heaven, from God the Father. You are my son, and with you I am well pleased. And we thought at the time that uh, wonderful reality of the, the Trinity, there's God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Father uh, speaking. And it shows you and I this, this morning, again to remind us that the triune God is fully committed to your salvation and to my salvation. The triune God is fully engaged and committed to our salvation. And the question came to me, uh, am I? Am I? He is constantly, from eternity to eternity, fully committed to getting you and I uh, into glory. And he's going to do it. Fully committed, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, no divisions, full unity of purpose, of direction, determination. He will save his people from their sin. Uh, and there in the baptism of Jesus, a reminder again, is a picture of the gospel. All that Jesus is going to do for you and for me. <clears throat> He's going to die on Calvary, as he goes under the, the water, a picture of his death. And then he's going to rise again from the dead, alive forever. And in his death on Calvary is my only hope. His resurrection is the confirmation of it all. His work is accepted by the Father. Sin has been dealt with. He's alive forevermore. He dies for us. Uh, he rose again for us. He lives forevermore. And you and I, by simply trusting in him, have you done that, my friends, listening at home? Uh, here in the chapel, youngsters, oldsters, members, non-members, whatever our background might be, the gospel is for all, and Jesus Christ is our only hope. In a brief and uncertain life, there's one certain reality and that is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there's the background. This, this incident we're looking at now happens immediately after that great gospel picture and Christ submitting himself to the law to fulfill all righteousness. He undergoes a baptism and it's the beginning of his ministry. And then, straight away, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, 
being tempted of the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. Now we're going to just have some initial observations this morning, some general observations as to what was happening here, and look to apply them to our lives on the 14th of March, 2021. This incident actually happened. He, the Prince of Glory, who in his matchless condescension leaves the realms of glory, imagine it, and comes to this planet 30 years patiently waiting, preparing, and now he begins his ministry, baptism, led into the wilderness, and there, the fiend of hell. What do we learn? Just some general observations. I've got three points. They all start with the C-O-N. The contrasts, the confrontation, and the constant. The contrasts, the confrontation, and the constant. First of all, then, the, the contrasts. And I'm making the point already. Uh, right up against each other. The glorious baptism, the declaration from heaven, the Holy Spirit descending on him. And then so very quickly, on that very same day, in fact, Mark says immediately, he is uh, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. The same day, so quickly, what a contrast comes into his experience and his situation physically now physically the differences that rapidly uh, happened and he really was a man just like you and me I mean what sorts of things do you and I enjoy and what sorts of things do we recoil from let's understand we we do understand he's God and we make much of the fact that he is God but perhaps we forget that he really was a man. He really was like you and I. Sin accepted, but he knew all the effects that came from a sinful fallen world around and about him. So that very same day, physically the contrasts, uh, he was in the Jordan Valley and uh, the river and it was lush, it was fertile it was verdant, it was green, it was, uh, it was wonderful. All that nature can dis display. I mean, uh, on a lovely day, you go for a walk and you choose a, a place of great beauty and you walk through and you say, how marvellous, how beautiful, uh, how marvellous, how wonderful. And he knew that. And then, very, very quickly, <clears throat> he's in a desert and it's barren and it's dry and it's desolate. Physically, great contrasts happen very, very quickly. Socially, the companions he had enjoyed by the Jordan River, uh, the crowds there, uh, and the fellowship and the company that he was enjoying. And then, very, very quickly, he's in a lonely place, an isolated place, an empty place. And instead of a dove descending on him, there are jackals and hyenas and vultures around and about him. 
Spiritually, what a contrast. He goes from great heights at his baptism. Here he is being obedient and here's a great display of the gospel. Uh, his baptism and how exciting. Remember your baptism? Were you baptised here? Do you remember it? Wasn't it wonderful? What an occasion. And the Holy Spirit descending on him and his father's voice or oh, echoes of what was happening in heaven where for all of eternity the Lord Jesus Christ had been in the presence of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Blessed divine fellowship. That voice from heaven. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. Oh, the great joy of that occasion. And then very quickly, and how quickly it can happen, a devilish law. And from the blessed assurance, you are my son, the fiend of hell, if, if, if. And the doubts that come flooding in. And knowing the heights of glory, then the powers of the temptation come the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And be very sure of this, he was tempted in every way as you and I are. And yet without sin. To be tempted is not to sin. Great hymn. The only one I can play on the piano. I wonder if I can still play it. Uh, Yield not to temptation. For yielding is sin. To be tempted is part of our human experience. And Jesus Christ tempted by the devil of hell. Jesus knew great contrasts in his experience. I want to say for you and for me. Don't expect anything different. Do not expect anything different this side of glory. Once we get to glory, that will be glory. Here on earth, it's a life of contrasts. And I say the ups and downs can be very rapid. And in Jesus' experience, what a rapid contrast. Oh, this Christian life. We've got to be those who, like our master before us, we, we press on. I've told you this many times. I've, um, I've got a friend in Swansea, uh, Alan Rees. And if you've heard him preach, very, very challenging preacher. You cannot sit comfortably as you hear uh, the Lord using Alan Rees. But uh, whenever he's on the phone, he's on the phone a few weeks ago, he sent me a text a couple of weeks ago, He always ends with, press on, press on. It's a very wonderful encouragement. Press on, press on. Life is difficult here for the Christian. Great to sing that uh, hymn of Bunyan's at the start of the service. And uh, if you haven't read The Pilgrim's Progress yet, you need to read it. And if you've read it, you need to Re-read it. So much to learn there. Uh, Christian at the outset of his, uh, his Christian life, he sees the cross, the burden falls off his back and rolls away down the hill and into the sepulchre. And it's gone, gone. His sins are gone. And Christian gives three leaps for joy and went on his way rejoicing. Remember the time you were saved? Remember that time? Is it too long ago now? The misty depths? No, Russ, you remember it. You remember it. I remember it as if it was yesterday. 
Oh, the joy. The joy. But in the pilgrim's progress, pretty soon, pretty soon, pilgrim, arrested by giant despair and thrown into the dungeon at Doubting Castle. And there he lay for a long, long time, being beaten up by giant despair until he finds the key to get out of the dungeon. And it's the key of faith. And he looks again to Christ. Oh, the Christian life. And our master knew that same path, the ups and downs. And in your life and your experience, in my life and experience, times of surplus. Have you got enough at the moment of what the world has to offer? Or are you in a time of of need and the ups and downs of uh, physical circumstances? I remember well, and uh, there's my good wife on Mother's Day sat down there. Yeah, the, the early years of marriage were tough and we were young uh, believers and living in, in London and we had a little flat in Walthamstow, Livingston Road, 65 Livingston Road, Walthamstow off Hall Street, not too far from Walthamstow Central and every day having to travel two hours to get to work, buses and, and tubes, couldn't afford a car at the time. Then eventually I got a little motorbike, uh, a Honda C. B100N, was it or something anyway, buzzed along then the North Circular Road, wind and, and weather and uh, snow and hail. And, uh, but, I, but I got there, it wasn't a very big wage and we, we lived there and the two little kiddies uh, came along. Now, there was always month left at the end of the money. I mean, some of you listening are in the position where you can say, how much are we going to save this month? How much money is left at the end of the month? Well, I, I've got that situation now, and I say to Jill, we've had a good month, uh, but keep saving because I'm, I've, uh, something's going to happen in September, and um, we've still got to pay some, some bills, so let's keep, let's keep saving. And there's money left at the end of the month, but uh, those years, there was always month left at the end of the money. I remember a particular time of, of need and uh, making it known to uh, a particular church we were at. They sent a deacon round to help me to budget. Uh, I didn't punch him, but uh, I knew how to budget. There was not enough money. That was the the situation. But I tell you this, God was faithful. And here we are. And he kept us. And there were times when an envelope would come through the letterbox. And uh, wow. Wow. It's going to join together now. No, surplus and need. And that's the Christian life. Now, when we get to heaven... I don't think there'll be any month left at the end of the money. And no money left at the end of the month. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Times of of, of fellowship, knowing companionship and how wonderful that is. We're we're made to enjoy fellowship together. And this last year has been really tough and I hope we're not getting used to it. I hope you're not getting used to sitting at home comfortably on the settee and thinking, I'm not going to book, I'm quite happy sat at home. Well, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. You need to be here. We need each other. And lockdown has been difficult and times of loneliness and, and isolation. It really isn't easy. But Jesus understood things like that. Uh, he had people deserting him. I mean, John chapter 6, the crowds, and then he says tough things about uh, 
his, his body and his, his, his blood and they, they, they leave him. And are you going to leave me? He says to the twelve, well, who can we go to? You've got the words of eternal life. Fellowship. Spiritually now, we, we have times of knowing his presence and a sweet fellowship with him and our hearts are so warm. And then times of barrenness where we're crying out, where are you, oh Lord? Well, he's still there. Times of health, times of sickness, times of strength, times of weakness, times of victory over sin, times of that besetting sin getting the better of us yet again. My friends, in all these things, the contrasts of life here on planet Earth, you and I need to press on. You and I need to press on. Be fully committed to your salvation because God, the triune God, is fully committed to your salvation. He's fully in. He's bought into it by the blood of his son on the cross. He's fully in. Am I fully in? Are you fully in? There's the first point, the contrast. Now, the confrontation. I really think this is the greatest contrast to have known the sweet fellowship of the Father's voice and the Spirit alighting upon him, and then to encounter the devil of hell. Let's think briefly, who is he? I'm wary to speak of him. I've been very prayerful this week. As we go through these verses in uh, the next week or, or two, please do pray for protection. He likes to go under the radar doesn't like to be up front, because if he was up front, you'd see him. It's obvious. No, he's very, very subtle. I tell you, he's very, very clever. He is the most intelligent being. And uh, he uses his intelligence. He's very skillful. He's been about his art for thousands of years. You and I, it's our first run through. And we only get one run through. He's been studying young people for 4,000 years. He's been studying 63-year-olds for 4,000 years. He's been studying little children for thousands of years. He's been studying husbands, studying wives for thousands of years. He's very, very clever. Who is he? We meet him early in the Bible, straight after creation. He comes into the Garden of Eden, now the serpent. We meet him early in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And here he is in Luke chapter 4. Who is he? Let me tell you briefly, he is an archangel, but no longer in glory. He's lost, long, lost none of his power, but he's no longer in glory. But he is an archangel. With that comes immense power. An archangel could destroy cities. He moves very swiftly. Although he's only in one place at one time, uh, he can move incredibly quickly. Faster than a jet aeroplane, I tell you. He moves very quickly. He's swift. He was, though, an archangel in glory on the mountain of God's. Ezekiel chapter 28. What goes wrong? Isaiah chapter 14 tells us, well, pride was found in his heart. He wanted more 
And there's the essence of sin. I want more. And it's all about him. I'll take my throne above the throne of God. What happens to him? Revelation 12 tells us what happens to him. Ezekiel 28 tells us. Isaiah 14 tells us. Jesus himself tells us uh, in the Gospels, I saw Satan fall as lightning. Yes, he did. Revelation 12, the battle in heaven, Satan and his angels battling against all the other angels. And, and God, of course, you cannot fight against God and win. And he's cast down to earth. He doesn't come to earth willingly. He's cast down to earth. His doom is writ as a day set at the return of Jesus Christ where he is cast into the eternal lake of fire. But here on planet earth, he has his degrees of freedom. He's on a chain since the events of Calvary. He can no longer deceive the nations, and yet he's still a roaring lion, we're told in the Bible. The devil has a great swagger still in his pride, and he wants to tempt you in the same way that he fell. He believes that you can fall. He knows that Adam fell in the same way, and he'll come to you and I with the same wiles. Oh, he's full of pride. But look at Jesus Christ. Look at him. He is the Prince of Glory. He's no archangel. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the eternal Son of the living God. Look at him. Do you find swagger in him? I don't know when this was put up, Russ. It was, I think it was a Sunday school Christmas carol service. Many predates me. doesn't predate you. Maybe 40 years it's been up there. What a text. Do you see any swagger in the text? What do you see in the text? I tell you, humility. Humility. Jesus, strong. Though he was rich, he became poor. And it was, look at the very crown of it there, for your sake. Fully committed. He's fully in. He's not holding back. Now look at this now. Satan was cast down. What did Jesus do? He came down. Humility. The incarnation. He came down. This mighty Christ from time eternal. In humility. He came down. But the devil were thinking about him carefully. Mighty being of immense power. But he's not almighty. Jesus is almighty. Swiftly moving from place to place and yet localized only in one place at one time. Not Jesus. Omnipresent. Omnipotent. Satan. The devil. He can't read your mind. Jesus knows what you're thinking. But with the devil, see, what he can do, because he's very clever, 
We give ourselves away by our conduct. And so he knows where to tempt and what to do. Because he knows what you watch and where you go and what you listen to. He knows how you react. So he can, and he builds up. If you read the screw tape letters, it's good. It's worth reading. <laughs> worth reading. Wiles of the devil. But he's localized, limited. You know, it's unlikely we will ever, ever directly encounter him. We're not important enough. But the holier you get, the more likely it is that you would encounter him. And the devil, well, he begins with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to go on to Peter in a little while. And Jesus has to say to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. But no, his attention is focused on the Lord Jesus Christ here. But he'll be attracted to holy churches making progress in, in the gospel and looking to declare Christ. For sleepy churches, don't know where I put us. Are we vibrant, living, outgoing, witnessing Seeing many conversions, is this a vibrant powerhouse of the God? Are the prayer meetings packed? Is the prayer meeting the one you want to get to? Pull out the stops. We long to be back in the chapel. Are we quite glad actually it's a sort of semi-lockdown I can be at, at home? No, he focuses attention where he can. He has limited resources. We're not going to meet him, but we will meet one of his cohorts, I'm sure. Revelation 12 speaks about that battle. And uh, Lucifer and a third of the angels of heaven fight and rebel against God. And they're all cast down to earth. And there are myriads of them. And a demon is a fallen angel. Lucifer, son of the dawn, an archangel, and then his minions and his cohorts. What is his aim? What is he about? The very name Satan means accuser. Call yourself a Christian. You did that. Yes, I am a Christian. It is written. We come back to him with truth. The devil, the very words, adversary, uh, opponent. What's he seeking to do? I often think of a, a list of starting with the letter D. His aim is to destroy, but here's the thing, he cannot. He cannot take away your salvation. Once saved, always saved. But what he will do then, some more D's for you. He looked to discourage you. He looked to disillusion. He looked to distract. He looked to divert. He looked to disappoint. He looked to depress. But he cannot destroy once saved, always saved. He cannot prevent you getting to heaven, but here's what he's very good at. He can put you out of action. Right? You once ran well, and now you don't. You're going to get to heaven, but you're hobbling. What's happened? Look back. You find his paw prints somewhere. And as long as you are hobbling on the sidelines, he's happy. He's got a smile. Wipe it off his face. Make him grimace. Look to Jesus again. 1 Peter 5. Beware. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around 
like a roaring lion. Resist him. The tactics of the devil are always the same. We're just We'll go into them in the, the coming weeks as we go through his temptations of the Prince of Glory. But they'll always be the same, his tactics. Pride was his fall and he'll hit at this self-centeredness, this essence of sin. Make you think about yourself, what, what I want, what's best for me. I, me, I deserve, I want. It's time, I and it's, it's pride. And you'll have a price. And he can increase. He, you know, all these things are being given me. I can give them to you. He can. What will you sell Jesus for? For Judas, it wasn't a big price. 30 pieces of silver. But Jesus got it clear. What does it profit if you gain the whole world? But lose your soul. Let me finish then. With the, the constant and the constant is, is God. The constant is God. There at the baptism is the triune God. The voice of the Father, you are my son. The Holy Spirit descending on him. But God hasn't disappeared in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus now, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In fact, Mark says... He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he's full of the Spirit. He's led of the Spirit. He's driven by the Spirit into a situation he would have recoiled from. But the constancy between his baptism and being there in the desert is the presence and the power of Almighty God. For you and for I, through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. In home group, our home group, a couple of weeks ago, we had a discussion on Psalm 16. And uh, I asked folks to just say what struck them as I read through the psalm. And uh, this, came, this verse came out, verse 8. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Where David says this, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. I have set the Lord always before me. So back in, you're back in school soon? Tomorrow. Hooray. Hooray. You're back in school soon? Tomorrow. Hooray. Hooray. I bet your mum's saying hooray. Hooray. Yeah. Still working from home? Are you back in? Still working from home? Yeah? Hooray. Hooray. You can work tomorrow? Hey. Yeah, fantastic. The assembly actually, the government working down in Cardiff Bay? Oh, no. You're working from home? Hooray. Now, look, listen, whatever our situation for the rest of today... Let me tell you something, this, this verse struck me. And, and for tomorrow, whatever you're facing, school or whatever we might be, I set the Lord always before me. Make it so. Make it, remember him. So whatever I'm doing, Brother Lawrence was a converted man. He was in a Catholic 
country, and, but he came to faith and he, he knew Christ and he was given a job in the kitchen and he would peel potatoes, he says. It's worth reading the book, The Practice of the Presence of God, very, very slim volume. He's one of the mystics and I, I love reading the mystics because they're experimental. Give me reality or I die. So he said, I, I peel the potatoes to the glory of God. And whatever we're doing, we do it to the glory of God. We set him before us. And we don't often then have to speak. There's just something about our countenance and the way we conduct ourselves that exudes Christ and humility. I set him before me. Let none but Christ dazzle you. He's always there. I start the day with him. Quiet times, mornings are the time for the quiet time if you can't then at least you spend some time with the Lord before you set out on the day you start the day with him you continue the day with him you end the day with him you sleep then uh, with him reading uh, in my own quiet times I went to Psalm 18 now it's quite a long psalm but I was stuck on verses one and two here we go I love you Lord my strength and then listen to this just one verse now the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I get the point. I get the point. Only him. Only him. And he is the one reality in a changing world. And when it comes to the opposition of the devil... He's going to do all he can. He can't stop you getting to heaven. But he wants you off the pitch. He wants you to fumble the ball. He wants you to trip over. And he wants you to feel sorry for yourself. So then we have this in Ephesians 6. We're coming to a conclusion now this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Put on the whole armour of God. And then we get the list. Now, we close. Yeah, I'm coming to close. When I was 23... I heard the third best piece of advice I've ever heard. Now, you know the, the first. I'm going to write a book one day on the best advice I've ever received. And number one was always read your Bible and say your prayers every day. It was on the day of my conversion. Second best advice I ever heard was from uh, Ignatius, first century uh, saint. which recorded in a book he wrote, Let None But Christ Dazzle You. So it's number one and number two. Here's number three. Coming in at number three, I heard it when I was 23. Put on the whole armour of God every day. So as part of my regular prayers, for the last 40 years, I've put on the armour of light. I purposely pray at the start of the day, often walking around the lake, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, pray at all times in the spirit consciously put on the gospel armor each piece put on with prayer so top three there 
Read your Bible, say your prayers, let none but Christ does. You put on the whole armour of God. Tonight, I'm going to tell you what number four was. All right? So, five o'clock, I'll be on YouTube listening. Number four. I haven't thought of number five yet, but I need, the, I need my top ten at some point for my next uh, book. So, put on the whole armour of God. Christ is the constant reality. Stay focused on him. That's all I have to say this morning. Just those little brief things and outline these first two verses. The, uh, the contrasts, the confrontation and the constant, the constant, the great reality. Who would true valour see? Let him come hither. One here will constant be. Come wind, come weather. There's no discouragement shall make him once relent his first avowed intent to be a pilgrim through all the changing scenes of life in trouble and in joy. The praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. And then this final hymn, we sang it about three weeks ago. It's a lovely uh, modern hymn. Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one king reigning over all, so I will not fear. For this truth remains that my God is the ancient of days, none above him, none before him, all of time in his hands. For his throne it shall remain and ever stand, all the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name. For my God is the ancient of days. You see, your God, are you saved yet? If not, trust in him. Trust in him. Do it now. If you've done it already, be committed. He's fully in. Am I? Am I? Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for such a brief time in your word. The time goes so swiftly by and we're closer to glory now at the end of the service than we were at the start. Have we been changed though? Oh God, have mercy on us. Change us from glory into glory. Keep us looking to our great Saviour King. In his name we pray. Amen.